We are called to be a generous people. But what if generosity is more than just giving? What if generosity is a way of seeing, reimagining what is possible, even when it looks like it's not enough? What if generosity is a way of obeying, choosing to follow the way of grace, even when it costs us greatly? What if generosity is a way of trusting, depending on God to provide, even when we give sacrificially? What if generosity is a way of living, joining together all that we have been given to bless others, even if we've never met them? May we learn to fully embrace, together, a life poured out for others. May we become truly generous. Good morning, Element. It's a joy to see all of your faces this morning. I'm Melody. I'm one of your pastors here, and I'm just so excited for today. We were praying before the gathering started, and Nick was praying over us, and just praying a blessing of what a generous church this already is. And, you know, it's so true. As I'm, as I'm thinking about you guys, as I've been preparing this week and just interacting with you this week and all of the ways that you're showing up with generosity at Thrive and moving things and just house church and being with one another and bringing all the backpack stuff, it's almost like, what more could we say about generosity to this amazing community, right? But you know what? This series has already been so encouraging and inspiring, and I think there's some things we still can learn, and so that's what we're going to do today. So, you know, we have been in this series for a few weeks now, and Benjamin started us off a few weeks ago with the story of Zacchaeus, right? And we learned about Zacchaeus' transformation when he encountered Jesus. He experienced a transformation and became a generous person, right? And we learned that that's what Jesus does. He transforms us to become more like him. And one of the things that we see about him, maybe not more than anything, but certainly as much as anything, is his generosity. We see it over and over and over in the story of his life, right? So then the next week we learned about generosity being a way of seeing, right? A way of looking at the world, a way of viewing our lives and the kingdom of God the way that God does. And we talked about the story of the five loaves and the two fish and how Nobody else but Jesus and that one kid saw what was possible until everybody saw it, right? And we learned about how generosity begins with just a shift in our mindset that there is enough. There is enough because God is enough. And then last week, we talked about generosity as a way of obeying. And Brett taught us about the story of the Good Samaritan and how Jesus instructed us to be generous, right? Even to people we might not agree with, even to our enemies. We were instructed to be a generous people. And so today, we're going to talk about generosity as a way of trusting. A way of trusting, okay? And in order to do that, we're going to look first at our memory verse. So kids, you can fill in your blanks, and we're all going to say it together. So it's 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Let's all say it. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, I love that verse, right? I love it because it's a promise from our God that our generosity will be blessed. And that's amazing. But I want us to look today at a few verses that come after 
this verse, okay? Because it's going to give us a bigger picture of generosity as a way of trusting. So let's look again. 2 Corinthians, starting chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now listen to what it says next. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, that passage makes me a little emotional. I'm just going to tell you. It does. It does because I see that alive in this church. It does because I've seen God's faithfulness that this is true. But it also tells me what this piece about trusting is, right? Because even though we can read that and we can see that alive in this church and we can know that it's true, there's a lot of things to trust in that passage that we just read, right? That's a lot of promises. That's a lot of hope that God is offering to us, right? So next week, Pastor Benjamin is going to talk to us a little bit more about this passage. And he's going to talk to us about the story that kind of surrounds this letter from Paul. We're not going to get into that today, but I want us to actually read these words again. Because this, these words, this is what we're being asked to trust. So let's read it again. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, if we truly trusted what that passage says, we would have an understanding of what generosity as a way of trust is, right? Next week, we're going to talk about generosity as a way of living, okay? A way of life, a generous way of life. And we're going to explore that idea. But here's what I want us to catch today before we get to that, okay? It can only become a way of life if we go through this process, right? If we, before we can live generously, we have to see. We have to see the world that way. And then... We have to obey. We have to act generously. And then we have to trust. 
And from a place of trust, it flows as a lifestyle. Otherwise, it's just an obligation, right? If we want generosity to truly be a part of who we are, if we want it to be something as natural to us as smiling or hugging or breathing, then we have to trust what God tells us about his provision, right? Otherwise, we're going to be at a constant war in our minds and in our hearts of how much to give and when to give and where to give and how to give. And it's a, it's a human mental battle rather than a way of being, a way of living. And that way of being and living can only come through trusting that this is true. It's the only way it can come, right? So what is it exactly that we're being asked to trust? Let's look here. We're trusting that God will restore to us as we give, that we'll reap what we sow, and that the more we give, the greater the harvest will be. Right? That's a part of what was in that passage. Secondly, we're trusting God as the source, the source of every good thing, the source of seed and bread and food, the source of provision and energy and grace, the source of love and forgiveness and life. We're trusting God as the source. And then we're trusting that he will provide for our needs as we give away all that he has given us, as we give cheerfully and with joy. And then we're trusting in the blessing of being a generous people. Now, that's a lot of trusting. That's a lot of huge things to trust, especially when we live in a culture of scarcity, right? This is the culture that we live in. It is not a culture that trusts or believes that any of those things are even close to true. I think the pandemic showed us more than ever exactly what kind of culture of scarcity we really live in, right? We, we got a glimpse of how true it really is. When things started to get real with this pandemic, things started flying off the stores. You know, we had no milk, we had no bread, we had no toilet paper at the stores. For months we had no toilet paper, why? Because any idea of God is a great provider went out the window when all of us thought we would not have toilet paper in our homes, right? We all went to the store and bought all that we could. That's what we did. We, and here's the crazy thing, right? Because we lived like there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough, right? And the crazy thing is if we had lived, lived as if there were enough, there would have been enough. Right? If we hadn't participated in that panic buying scenario, there would have been enough. But this is the culture we live in, this culture of scarcity. And this way of living, this way of thinking, this way of trusting, it goes against the world that we live in. Right? But Jesus taught something different. Now, I am not suggesting in this trusting that we shirk our responsibility to manage our resources, right? Of course, we all needed food and we all needed toilet paper. And in the greater scheme of the world, of course, we're responsible to steward our time and our energy and our money and our resources and all of those things. That is a part of what Jesus taught as well, right? It is vitally important for us to manage those things in a way that honors God. But as we do the work of stewardship, are we also trusting in the provision? They go hand in hand. It's both things. It's trust in the generosity of God and stewardship for what he has given us. So 
Do we really believe that he will restore what we give? Do we really believe that he is the source of every good thing? Do we really believe he will provide for all the kingdom work that he's called us to do? And do we really believe that we live in his blessing? Because that is generosity as a way of trust. He will restore. He is the source. He will provide. And we live in blessing. That's generosity as a way of trust. So how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place of trust, right? Especially in this culture that we live in, how do we live in the mindset of a kingdom economy? Well, I can promise you this, in 30 minutes today, we are not gonna fully answer that question, right? I think it is a journey of a lifetime to develop that generosity as a way of trust. I don't think anything we can say is gonna magically make that transformation in us. So today is just about some inspiration, some stories, and some invitation to help us on our journey, okay? So let's get to that. I am confident it will be enough for today. So in order to really talk about generosity as a way of trusting, we are going to look at a very simple story from the scripture. It's, I'm sure you have heard it before. It's the story of the woman with the two small coins. Two small coins, right? So let's read it together from Luke. It says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Now, can you stop for a moment and imagine this scene, right? Jesus is in the temple. He's watching these people come put their money in the box. And then this simple woman comes up and gives her two small coins. And that, that's the story. That's, that's all we have. And then a comment from Jesus. That's all we have about this particular woman and her contribution to the kingdom, right? But think about it for a minute. First of all, it's very interesting that this is what Jesus was doing this day. I think it's interesting that he was observing people's giving. I think it means that generosity to Jesus wasn't cursory. It was important. It was important to him that he took the time to notice that. Because God understands how much our trust and dependence and faith is shown in the way that we choose to be generous. He understands that. He sees that in us. Now, I wonder if there was judgment of the other people that day as this woman brought her two small coins to give. I wonder if maybe people thought it doesn't even matter whether she gave them or not, right? You know, I remember rolling pennies. You guys remember rolling pennies? Probably not many of you. Rolling pennies. I did it with my grandma. We would roll all the change. She ran the trading post at Circle A. And back in those days, a lot of people used change, so we would end up with giant vats of change that we would have to roll at the end of every session of Circle A. And I remember it was, I mean, I was a young child, but I felt at the time as though it were a lot of work, a lot of work to roll all those pennies. And I remember feeling so underwhelmed when we took the pennies to the bank and, you know, it had turned it from this giant vat into a few rolls of coins that were only a few Dollars. And it just seemed so underwhelming for all the work that had gone in to rolling each and every one of those little pennies, right? 
I wonder if the people that day kind of felt the same way about this woman's gift, her two small coins, that it was pretty inconsequential, right? The coins she gave that day were worth, worth less than those pennies I used to roll with my grandma. And yet, Jesus made a point to say that she had given more than anyone because she gave all she had. That's what he said. She gave more than anyone because she gave all she had. Now, the only way we can ever get to that place where we're giving all we have is through this generosity as a way of trust. That God will restore what we give, that he is the source of all things, that he will provide for our kingdom work, and that we live in his blessing. That's how we get to a place of, of living where we give all that we have, right? And this woman lived in that place of trust because she gave all she had. So today, we are going to talk specifically about being generous with our finances for just a few minutes. And I know it's an awkward topic to talk about at church, especially here from someone who benefits from the giving of our finances, right? But it's an important piece about this conversation of generosity. And do you know what? Jesus actually talked about the topic of finances and stewardship and generosity and greed. That subset of topics, he talked about that more than any other vice or virtue that he ever talked about, right? This was an important topic to Jesus. So I think that means it's important to us too. So in order to talk about this topic, we are going to have to talk about a word that may or may not trigger some PTSD in your hearts and minds. It's a word that's been around the church since the beginning, okay? And it's a concept that's done both a lot of good and a lot of harm in the church, okay? And the word is tithing, tithing. Now, grown-ups, you probably know what this word means. Kids, you may not know what this word means because we don't actually use this particular word around here very often. And the reason we don't use it is very much is because while the concept of tithing is good and beautiful, the church has done some damage with it over the years. It has, right? So everybody take a deep breath. We're going to talk about tithing for a few minutes. It's going to be okay. But I think... After these few minutes, we're going to leave with a little bit deeper understanding of this ancient practice and how it weighs into our spiritual lives today. So despite, well, actually, can anyone tell me, kids, do any of you kids know what tithing means? Oh, did he already put it up there? Man. <laughs> All right. Well, Shannon beat me to it. <laughs> tithing means a tenth. The word tithe actually means a tenth. And a lot of people just think tithing means any sort of giving to the church or to a ministry of any sort, right? But tithing actually specifically means a tenth, a tenth. And the tithe, this idea of the tithe, actually predates Jesus by several hundred years, okay? It was, the tithe began as an obligatory offering from the law of Moses, Okay, and it required 10% of an Israelite's first fruits. So their first harvest of the season, 10% of that went to the priests. And because God provided at the harvest, this first part was returned to him. And it was a reminder to Israel that all things came from God, right, and are his. And it was also a show of thankfulness for his provision. 
And what that tithe did at the time was it provided for the priests and the Levites, and it funded all of their spiritual practices of the time, and it helped the needy. They actually took specific tithes every three years that went to the widows and the orphans and the needy. And it, the tithe at that time, in the time of Moses, it was almost like a tax that the people paid, right? All the people paid. So tithing, giving a full tenth of anything you earned, was a law. It was a law in the time of Moses. Now, the Israelites were also encouraged to give offerings, okay? And that's something different. Offerings were an expression of gratitude. They were an offering of abundance, right? Uh, the tithe was kind of a payment off the top, and the offerings were just a gift. So offerings were gifts to express thanks and gratitude to God. So that is where those words, tithe and offering, come from. Now, they are ancient practices of the Hebrew nation that became adopted by the Christian church and have carried on throughout the generations. Now, let's think for a second about what Jesus had to say about these practices, okay? Now, if you know a thing or two about Jesus, you know that he was constantly um, setting himself at odds with the religious establishment of the time, right? And he spoke frequently about people's tendency to follow the letter of the law, but ignore the spirit of the law, right? And here's what he says in Matthew 23, 23. Let's look at this one. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So what he's saying there is not that they should have neglected tithing, but rather that they should have focused on what was really important, right? Practice the latter without neglecting the former. That's what Jesus said. Practice justice and mercy. Remember the spirit of the law and not just the letter of the law, right? So Jesus doesn't have a problem with the idea of tithing, but it doesn't seem like he sees it as the measure of someone's faithfulness or someone's generosity, right? In fact, it seems like Jesus is asking for a whole lot more than a 10% tax. I think Jesus is asking for all we have. That day, when the woman gave her two coins, Jesus made the comment that she gave all she had. And that's what he told the rich man when he wanted to follow him. That's what he celebrated with the woman that day. And that is what he gave us of himself. He gave all he had. Now, there are a few things that I stop and ask myself after I study of this topic, right? First thing I ask myself is, should I then tithe? Is that a good thing to do? Would Jesus want me to tithe? Should I give 10% in addition to whatever other offerings I give? I ask myself that question. Secondly, I ask myself, how is it that I give all I have? How do I do that? In this culture, in this day and age, how does one do that? And then the third question I ask again and again is, how do I learn to trust? How do I learn to trust that abundance? That he will restore, that he is the source, that he will provide, and that I live in his blessing. How do I learn that way of trust? 
So maybe you're asking yourselves the same questions today. Or maybe you have different questions. That, that would be good too. Whatever questions are coming up in you, I encourage you to ask those to God. Because I can't give you answers for all of it. I can't. I think it's between you and God. Another thing that Jesus said several times about giving was that it was to be done in secret, was that it wasn't to be made a show of, right? So I can't even tell you all the answers for myself, but I can tell you a few things, okay? About the first question, whether or not I should tithe. What I can tell you is that my personal choices about tithing or how much to give financially in any aspect are based on the example of my parents and other spiritual leaders that I have respected throughout my life and the leading of the Spirit of God in me, okay? And what I can tell you is that I have seen God's provision and abundance in response to faithful generosity again and again and again. And I have seen God's provision and blessing in response to a deep belief that everything already belongs to God. So I want to pattern my life in the same way. And when I give, whatever percentage it is that I do give, it's a reminder to me that it's all already his. Okay? Here's what I think. If tithing is weaponized by the church as something to bring shame, to make people like, feel like they're not faithful to God because they don't give him a certain portion of their money, then I think Jesus would really have a problem with that. I think it would break his heart because that's not the spirit of the law. But if tithing is chosen by a person as a starting place for their giving, as a tangible, consistent reminder that it all belongs to him anyway, then I think that would fill the heart of Jesus with joy. And I think it would fill the heart of the giver with joy, too. But that brings us to the second question, then. How do I give all I have? How do I, how do I give all I have? Well, maybe that's not the right question. Maybe that's not the right question. Maybe the right question is, how do I remember that it's all already his, right? Maybe it's less about giving everything I have to Jesus and more about realizing it's always been his in the first place. It's always been his. It's all his. For me, it begins with seeing that reality that I'm only ever a steward of anything, of my finances, my property, my time, my energy, my heart, I'm only a steward of those things. They don't belong to me. I don't take any of those things with me when I leave this world. They belong to God, right? And if I see that as true, then it's just a matter of stewarding his provision. And we are giving all we have in that sense, right? And we've talked some about money today. But before we leave, I do want us to think about the rest of our resources in terms of this generosity as a way of trusting. When we think about our time, when we think about our belongings and our talents and our homes, 
how much of these things do we think belong to us, right? And how much belongs to God? What if it's all his? And if we see it as all his, how does that change our perspective and the way we go about our lives? I think it transforms us. I think it transforms us, right? So that brings us to the third question. How do I learn to trust in his abundance? How do I learn this way of trust, right? That he will restore, that he is the source, that he will provide, that I live in his blessing. How do I, how do I develop that trust, right? And here's the best news of the day. It's the best news of the day. I don't have to do that on my own. We're not commanded to trust. God builds that trust with us. As we do the first two parts of it, as we do the seeing and as we do the obeying, the trust builds because we see that exactly what is written in that scripture is true. We see the truth of it and the trust builds in us, right? Generosity as a way of seeing comes from the Spirit of God, allowing us to see as he sees. And generosity as a way of obeying comes from our choice to respond. But generosity as a way of trusting is built from that long, slow obedience, right? And as we choose to release the things that we thought were ours and live in the reality that it's all already his, that sense of trust deepens. It becomes a bedrock of who we are, right? And from that place, we have found generosity as a way of life, a way of living, right? And then all those beautiful things that Paul wrote about at all times and on every occasion, abundance, amazing, abounding in every good work, we see that it's true. Maybe not in the way that we would script it. Maybe not in the way that we would want it. But we see the truth that there is enough. And our trust deepens, right? He is telling us. He is telling us that we will see it. We will see the seeds multiply. We will fear, feel the cheer and celebration and joy of giving. And we will find our own needs provided for, right? And as we begin the practice of obedience, that grows, and we learn to live generously. So as the band comes up, I want you to think about this one last statement. You are actively declaring your trust in God when you choose to be generous. That's a declaration of trust. And church, you declare this over and over and over again. And I am so grateful to be a part of a community who trusts this way. So today, I invite you to take another step on that journey of trust, whatever it is for you. I don't know what it is, but Jesus in you does. So I invite you to think and pray about what it might be. So as we close today in a song, a song about who our God is and how he cares for us, and how we can trust him, I invite you to pray about what that next step is, and I invite you to reflect on the trust that's already growing within you. Okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you 
for your truth today. We thank you for the holy words of your scripture that invite us and inspire us and encourage us and challenge us. And God, I just pray that whatever that next step is of trust, whatever declaration that we can make of the truth that we trust you, of the truth that you will replenish all that we give, that you are the source of every good thing, that you will provide for our needs, that we do live in your blessing. God, whatever way it is that we can declare that today, whether it's with our resources or our time or our homes or our hearts, I just pray that you guide us. And as we do, God, I pray that we will see the truth of your kingdom coming to this earth, that we will feel the joy that you have created us to feel when we live generously. We love you and we trust you. In your name we pray.